0: Today we are cracking the code We are looking at the greatest cheat sheet The greatest cheat code in the history of comics The comic book that influenced some of the biggest Most critically acclaimed works of all time And yet somehow this gets surprisingly Overlooked. We are looking today at the visionary work of Howard Chakin an American flag, and by the end of this episode, you will hopefully have an appreciation for this work that you've never had before, or if you have never heard of it before, you will realize just how inspiring it was to an entire generation of comic book cr- creators. You will hear from Michael Morrock, the fantasy writer from. That, that, that gave you Elric. You will hear from Jim Lee. You will hear the highest of praise for this body of work that is transcendent and incredibly influential on today's all new Rob'servations. Hey, everybody, this is Rob Liefeld, and you are listening to another edition of Rob'servations. Rob'servations is my pop culture podcast show, and really, What it comes down to is I'm a storyteller. I have been a storyteller in the world of comic books, graphic novels for 37 years. And here on this podcast, I tell you stories about the storytellers, about the stories that you've loved, that I've loved, maybe you've never heard of, that I want you to love, uh, and the characters in those stories. But, But what's more important to me is the creators behind the characters and how those characters change per the input of different creative teams or different individual creators. And that's what we've been discussing this entire multi-season series that we continue to to, to produce for you because I went down this road at, at six, seven years old and I never look back. And comic books have, have enriched my life. They have been my escape. They have been from, there for me in times of sorrow, of joy, of pain, uh, of, of rejoicing. Uh, I, I find that the, the art... Of the comic book storytelling is the most exciting storytelling that I've ever experienced. I love movies. I love streaming. I love seeing these amazing works by these amazing creators adapted, but I love the works more than the adapted works, uh, forever and always. And that's where I come, come at this entire show for show that this is how I get to this point on the show. And I want you to understand that in case this is one of your first times tuning in and you're listening, because. We live in a world now that is dominated by comic book characters, the stuff that I grew up with. And so I really want you to know more about the origins behind these characters. And again, most importantly, the creators, which leads me to our subject of the day. Which I I, I have maybe never researched a show more than I have researched this one because I wanted to get it right. I so wanted to get it right because... American flag Howard Chaykin's American flag two two, two names I haven't said enough on the show in the course of the two plus years we've been doing this Howard Chaykin the creator writer artist creator Howard Chaykin and the work of American flag I do not have a good reason why I have not I've known it exists I've dropped Howard's name along the way over the last several years not a lot but uh, on the Frank Miller Alan Moore Dark Knight Watchmen podcast you'll you'll hear me Invoke his name and possibly American Flag. But the story of Howard shaken and specifically his work on American Flag is so important to you because it directly informs the work of Frank Miller and Alan Moore and the giant titanic achievements of both Dark Knight and Watchmen. American Flag is absolutely 100% the source of so much of the inspiration that was used to create both of those seminal works. But because American flag did not become uh, multi different versions in the media like so many of the Dark Knight and Batman movies ha- have represented, or uh, been an HBO show like the most recent Watchmen or the 2009 Zack Snyder homed, which I think is actually a brilliant Watchmen movie, American flag, and this is so ironic because you'll you'll hear me reference this later in the the this show. Uh, Howard Chicken himself says it's a blip. It's just a blip. And it feels like it's being lost to the sands of time. And I'll tell you how I got here. I'll tell you exactly how I got to this podcast today. I've always felt like I need to do something more extensive on Howard and this seminal work that is so just completely mind-blowing, especially when it arrived in 1983. Now, again, you got Dark Knight and you got Watchmen in 86. Both of those launched three years after, and if you don't believe right now that Alan Moore and Frank Miller are huge sponges of all things pop culture, which includes obviously their peers, of which Howard Chaikin was. Howard Chaikin was a senior peer. But the work of American Flag informed both Watchmen and Dark Knight, and if you put the golden lasso around both of them, they, they would tell you so. I am certain that if I were to dig through all of the Frank Miller and Alan Moore interviews, I could get actual quotes where they attribute it to Howard, but I was too busy and too obsessed going down the rabbit hole of uh, of 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 all things uh, of all things Howard Shaken that I just focused on getting his quotes and his point of view. But let me tell you about Howard Shaken. First of all, he drew an adaptation that pretty much the whole world held in their hands at one point. 1977's Star Wars adaptation by Marvel Comics, written by Roy Thomas, illustrated by Howard Chaik. And Howard was handpicked by George Lucas, who liked his work on a science fiction strip called Cody Starbuck. Singled him out when he was speaking with Marvel. Like, wouldn't it be great if that guy were to do this? And 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 uh, and Howard did. Howard actually, in in the uh, in the present day, has a very different view of that work. But we'll get to that later. The fact is, he drew all six issues of the Star Wars. Uh, film adaptation in 1977 and he he had to do it without seeing the movie. He had to do it as so many people back in the day did it with with props and still photos and production uh, designs and just kind of put them all together and make this amazing comic book. I bought every version of this Star Wars comic book and as I have uh, discussed with you, I believe it is one of our very first episodes. Uh, if, If you went down the rabbit hole, you would find that one of our very first uh, maybe one of the first three episodes that we did on Rob's observations uh, dealt with the fact because it's so hilarious to me. Because the history be, be behind uh, the history behind the Marvel Street Star Wars adaptation is such uh, that it saved the company. It they were bleeding red everywhere, but the decision to move forward. Which Stanley did not want to do, and I do, I do cover it. It's I think the third episode. It's called Cosmic Marvels. You got to listen to it. I talk about how Stanley nearly stubbornly uh, uh, decided to gloss over this Star Wars adaptation by George Lucas, but Roy Thomas stepped in and and inadvertently kind of changed the the course of Marvels. Financial future. They made millions when they needed millions. They absolutely needed millions. And with those profits, went on to bankroll some of the most iconic runs in the history of Marvel Comics. John Burns X-Men, John Burns Fantastic Four, John Burns Captain America, Frank Miller's Daredevil, Walt Simonson's Thor. I mean, it was an amazing surplus of cash from a property that they were going to gloss over. But once the decision was made to go forward on Star Wars, after Stan was convinced to do it, and again, I highly recommend you listen to the episode Cosmic Marvels from season one that you you will see that that, that Star Wars just took off. They, they, they not only did the regular monthly comics, but they put it in giant tr- treasury size editions. Then they combined. You know, the first three issues and the second three issues, which were in separate giant size buck 50 editions that were at every grocery store, every drug store across America in 1977, you couldn't walk into a gas station, a, uh, a, a drugstore. Um, there were no targets back then, but there were places called uh, the treasury uh, Jimco. If, if, if I'm dating myself, forgive me uh, in, in certain uh, Sears, I saw them. They were everywhere. The Treasury Editions, and, and, and certainly every grocery store, a Vaughn's, a Ralph's, a Stater Brothers, whatever it was, it had this giant size Treasury Edition, much bigger than a regular comic book. Then they combined them, and they did the big, fat version of the two Treasury Editions in one edition. All of this is drawn by Howard Chicken. Uh I don't believe they got royalties back in the day. I believe it was work-for-hire, but it definitely was the high, highest... Uh, Profile work that Howard had done. When next I saw Howard Shaken, a few years later, he was following the brilliant work of Michael Golden on the Micronauts. If you've listened to this podcast, I have discussed Micronauts again and again and again. It is a book you cannot get reprinted. You can only get it in its original comic book form or the reprints they did in the 80s. But there is no trade paperback. There is no deluxe size edition. There is no um, absolute edition. It deserves a giant hardcover. But because... Uh the rights were with Marvel and Marvel then co-opted with what is now Hasbro to create the Micronauts universe because Hasbro eventually bought the rights to the Mic- Micronauts, and that's where they have resided ever since. Um, some of that Micronauts universe in the comic books is owned by Marvel because they generated it and they created it. So Marvel can't reprint because reprint it because they don't own the Micronauts and the Hasbro people can't go sell those reprints somewhere else because half of those characters are created by Marvel and generated and owned by Marvel. So it is the perfect doppelganger. I, I believe in forbidden. There's there's a there's episodes of Rob observations called forbidden fruits. Micronauts is the most key of all of them, and it is because there is an artist, a seminal talent, and even Howard himself gushes over him in a 1986 comics journal interview. Michael Golden was a visionary. Remains a visionary. He's still with us. The work on Micronauts is the longest stint that he ever did, a 12-issue extended uh, adventure. He did every single issue. It is fantastic-looking artwork. It would be great if it was on the X-Men or the Avengers or the Fantastic Four, but it was a sci-fi book based on a toy that took my generation by storm called The Micronauts. And it was released right in the wake of Star Wars. It has a lot of space opera, a lot of sci-fi components. It, I think, borrowed some of that attitude and swagger from... Star Wars, but following Michael Golden's epic 12-issue run on that book, they then segued to further adventures of the Micronauts because the first 12 issues were all about toppling, you know, this giant dark lord named Baron Karza, who is, for all intents and purposes, the Micronaut universe's equivalent to Doctor Doom or Darth Darth Vader. Well, after that, they went into, like, little adventures of of separate Micronauts characters, and Howard Chaikin was the artist. And this Howard Chaikin, who I had seen draw uh, Cody Starbuck, Starbuck, Monarch, Starstalker, Star Wars, a lot of sci-fi stuff, just looked like he was absolutely phoning it in. On the Micronauts that followed Michael Golden, it was maybe perhaps some of his most uninspired work and I don't think he would argue with you about that at all in, in his 1986 Comics Journal interview he and his wife at the time uh, I don't know if he's still married to uh, Leslie Chaykin but they both talk about what a miserable period 1978 was through 1979 when he was drawing a comic book for Marvel a monthly book that he really didn't care to do and wasn't enjoying doing and it took a lot out of him and, and he 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 said it was a you know, basically a grueling assignment. That was the Micronauts assignment. That is the only thing that he was drawing at that time. He then leaves the business. So this this Micronaut stuff that especially in comparison to the brilliant previous 12 issues by Michael Golden, this, this seminal visionary talent, um, Howard was no slouch, but this was very much um, him phoning it in. And I can say that with great confidence, Knowing what he was eventually going to give us in American Flag, Howard leaves the business. He talks about leaving the business. He did he did illustrations for books. He's a great painter, amazing just an amazing talent. Period. Uh, Howard was an extremely skilled illustrator. Again, I followed his work at a young age in the late '70s, and he disappeared from the scene. He vanished. He was nowhere to be found. He was nowhere to be found in the early '80s. He worked, uh, did some work for heavy metal, did a Michael Morrock, the fantasy writer who brought us Elric. Um he did work adapt uh doing a Michael Morrock fantasy adaptation for the fantasy magazine. Again, something that was available on every no- newsstand in America when I was growing up, heavy metal. But when he came back, he came back with a comic book company, an independent comic book company, not Marvel or DC. Howard Shakin returned with a book, frankly, that put this company on the Mac, the the map, <laughs> on the Mac, put this company on the map the company's name was first comics an independent comic company named first comics. And while first comics had had some books that I had kind of glanced over, I wasn't really sold on anything. I wasn't really blown away again. In, in 1983, we've been through the amazing comic fans had been dazzled by the X-Men by John Byrne and Terry Austin. They had been dazzled uh, by Frank Miller and Klaus Janssen on the revolutionary daredevil work They were just starting to dance with Walt Simonson and his seminal Thor work. Uh, Mike Grell had done tremendous work on on Warlord and Starslayer. Uh, Jack Kirby had come back and done uh, his own independent work on, on Captain Victory. Uh, th- there was all sorts of great comic books that were just tearing it up. You had Keith Giffen just blowing your doors off on the Legion of Superheroes, which I spoke at length uh, last summer about... Uh, Two summers ago about his his work on the Legion of Superheroes, and it was I think it's the episode is called How to Crash a Franchise. And it was the pivot away from all the stuff that he had been doing that really just destroyed that entire franchise. But in its peak, during this time, in 1980, 81, 82, 83, the Legion of Superheroes was toe-to-toe with Marvel Comics X-Men as a visual and soap soap operatic adventure that, that we as fans were all completely signed off on. But then comes American Flag. What the heck is American Flag? Brand new from the mind of Howard Chaykin. Howard Chaykin's American Flag. American Flag is set in a dystopian future. It is uh, the first issue takes place in the 2030s. So it's great in that it's science fiction that we still haven't reached yet. It is still out of grasp. The world of American Flag still has yet to be. And uh, But everything went to shit in American Flag in the year 1996. There was a nuclear incident fallout and in the world of American flag all of the United States the United States government has relocated and most of its population to to Mars and the people that are um left here on earth the the earth that Reuben flag we meet or er, er, um the the earth that we meet uh Reuben flag on is a uh is an earth that is wildly transformed i'll be honest american flag from the get-go looked a little like uh some of the great philip k dick science fiction specifically blade runner american flag doesn't have any superheroes reuben flag is not a superhero reuben flag is a law a law enforcement officer uh in a dystopian future the law no longer protects you in american flag the law only protects basically the rich that still exists and go to these giant corporately backed malls. And there's malls all over America, and there's multiple giant malls where people congregate uh, in, in in the city of Chicago where Ruben Flagg is assigned at the beginning of the series. Ruben Flagg was uh, an actor. He was a giant, uh, successful actor uh, in the world of American Flag and they go out of their way in the first issue they go out of their way to show you and, and it's it's very you know very polished and very slick and very uh, very accomplished because it's not just the content of, of this book but some of it is the dystopian part is definitely uh, uh, informs what what what, uh, what Moore and what Miller were doing in regards to their uh, seminal works in terms of Watchmen and in terms of Dark Knight but but I need to set the table and, and, and tell you kind of the content of American flag and Ruben flag was a, uh, an actor that performed in a series of movies called Mark thrust Sexus ranger. And, uh, following his success as an actor, they have, uh, drafted him to be part of this. Uh, he's no longer appearing as Mark thrust Sexus ranger. He is now, um, is going to be part of this lawmaker Part of these law enforcement officers who all wear this very specific jacket with the the American flag, the red, white, and, and, and uh, red, white, and blue kind of striped down the black leather uh, uh, jacket. Very sleek fashion. Uh, all of the fashions in, in, in American flag are very futuristic. Uh, very uh, the stuff is somewhere uh, between Mooka and uh, some European artists. And there is a, a distinct, and I'm, I am kid you not, a distinct uh, Patrick Nagel. And if you've ever seen the cover to Duran Duran's Rio, and if you were alive in the mid to late 80s, Patrick Nagel's paintings were everywhere. I mean, there were galleries that only sol- sold Patrick Nagel. He had a very, very distinct way of drawing um, women, women's fashion. It was kind of like Roaring Twenties meets the future, very angular, very sharp Uh And and Nagel had an incredible impression on Howard Chaykin's work. Howard Chaykin's women looked like they were drawn from Patrick Nagel's paintings. Howard said he went away for three years and he rediscovered himself. And he said that the work that he was doing prior to this, he wasn't happy. He didn't really feel that his work was any good until he did American Flag. That is a quote right out of this 1986 Comics Journal article. And uh, even even though he will ultimately... Express that he believes his work on American Flag is shit. That's another quote from the exact same Comics Journal article. And and when they are, the, the, the interviewer, Gary Groth, says to him, why do you call it shit? He's like, well, because I always think that I'm going to get better. So I don't want to ever say that that work is the best work I've ever done. So once I put it behind me, it's just shit and I'm moving on. And from that, as an artist, as a comic artist of 37 years, I can absolutely relate to what he's saying, except it shows that he is... In this entire interview in 1986, Howard just it falls short of recognizing how influential American Flag is, but he also says that the work will ultimately stand out and be reevaluated through time, and here we are, many years later, decades past that 1986 interview, where he was still finishing up American Flag. He had already really done the majority of the work that he would do on the American Flag series, and it had transformed so much of comics and informed huge movers and shakers like Frank Miller and Alan Moore. But, uh, you know, looking back, it, it is even greater now than ever. And, and I did not nail the, the reason why I'm doing this today. The reason why I am literally talking to you about American Flag is because on, on one of my Facebook feeds, someone took some pages uh, from an Extreme Studio comic that I did not draw, but they... Erroneously attributed the pages to me which is great that they're really well drawn it's by an artist named Jeff Matsuda but then they put up uh, a similar page drawn by Todd McFarlane from Spawn at the same time and then they put up a Dark Knight page and in each of the pages that they use from Extreme by Jeff Matsuda and the page by Todd McFarlane and Spawn against the Frank Miller page they say these TV these TV shot um, panels where the TV is talking to you uh, this certain design of a page layout, where it's mostly the TV, uh, you know, the TVs talking to us. It's it's the same on the Spawn as it is on the Extreme, as it is on the Dark Knight, and they attribute it to Frank Miller. And I'm like, oh my gosh! And again, it's it's why Rob Observations exists to educate the uneducated, to inform the in the the misinformed. No, Dark Knight got it from American Flag. The hugest contribution, other than the very adult, very science fiction approach to American flag is the design and layout and and graphic sense that Howard Chaykin brought that was just transformational. Comics had never looked like this before, but afterwards many comics looked like this and they didn't all stop to thank or inform that they had gotten this style from Howard Chaykin, but we'll get to that in just a second. The world... American flag takes place in like 2035 2036 so again time that we're still not there not likely to get there either I'm not I don't believe we can relocate as the United States to Mars in 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 that period of time but who knows maybe maybe in the next 14 years or so that's 14 you know 16 years maybe it can happen maybe we can catch up Ruben flag becomes a lawmaker and he you know there's there's a couple stories where he gives up his badge because he's fed up, but he's a guy trying to just make it in this futuristic world where Earth has basically been abandoned. And uh, the the there's an organization called the Plex P L E X that informs people and really runs people's emotions through television because everyone and their mother is watching television. And again, who better than to be this standout law enforcer than a former movie star who was famous for all these somewhere kind of between a porn porn movie star and just a movie star because their sex plays a huge deal in American flag. And again, I want to get to specifically how how Howard chicken review um, uh, 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 abuse that himself, but I'll tell you how we viewed it when we were, you know, ingesting it And this book arrived. There was an underground sense to American flag, except it was slick and it was polished and I'm telling you, it hit comics in the same way that Jim Steranko's design design and graphic sense hit Marvel Comics when he was doing the Agents, uh, not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Nick Fury S.H.I.E.L.D. and Captain America. Steranko was almost too big for comics. He didn't hang around. Howard has hung around and done so much more than American Flag, but American Flag is, I believe, the signature work of his career. I don't think he would argue that. I don't, I don't think there are many who would argue on any level that American Flag is not the giant signature piece of his career. But... I believe we need to now more than ever acknowledge that it is responsible for so much more beyond it, including Dark Knight, including Watchmen and so much more but in the uh in the uh, the the premise of uh, the premise of uh, of the world of American flag uh in a nutshell is that. <clears throat> In a dystopian future, uh, where everything went to shit following a nuclear conflict in 1996. Uh, Basically, the U.S. East Coast had at least one nuclear mishap. California, (laughs) I forgot to mention this, (laughs) did in fact fall into the ocean. Okay, The USSR, Russia collapsed under a Muslim insurgency. Canada fell into anarchy and a black plague decimated Asia. Do you want to read this comic yet? You know you do. It has been collected. Uh, what I'm going to be referring to today is the 2008 collection. I have it. It's a giant hardback, kind of the size of a phone book. That did the first 14 issues of Howard Chaykin's American Flag. It was a combination between Image Comics and Dynamic Forces. Somehow, Dynamic Forces secured the license, then went and 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 uh, solicited through Image Comics. Who Image Comics, Eric Stevenson, Eric Larson, some of the partners at Image Comics helped. Um, color correct, clean up the files. There's a new story that's tagged on at the end. I also have in my hands my um, a beautiful giant, like a European album that uh, was, was put out, uh, licensed from first to a beautiful uh, local publisher called Graffiti, and they did American Flag Hard Times, which is the first four issues of American Flag, and it's a g- giant album. Either of those Again, I checked. that You can grab these. You can buy these. Or you can get the single issues. The single American flag issues is how we all digested it. But again, I mean, just wanted to tickle you with that. So, yeah. So, so a black plague has decimated Asia. Canada is in our anarchy. The USSR collapsed under a Muslim insurgency. California fell into the ocean. And the East Coast had a nuclear um, incident. Okay? Uh, the uh, Brazil survived okay. And South America in general. Uh is an economic motor of this new world. Uh, Ch- Chaykin, uh has always subscribed to a zero-sum school of economics. And uh, he he's always said that he only believes that countries and the rich prosper when others fail. And that really is a theme throughout American Flag. But again, Ruben Flag, Ruben American Flag is, like a, is a law enforcement officer and, and so many of him of his fellows on the force including a a robot named Luther uh, dressed in the same clothes as he there's a uniform blue pants red red cowboy boots a holster and a uh, this black leather jacket with a tie uh, that has the red white and blue sachet across it um so the US government and other corporate elements have all fled to Mars um uh, and 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 look <clears throat> it doesn't not all of it makes sense, but that's okay. Uh, it's, it's lots of sci-fi stories have implausibly strong premises. And, uh, anyway, the Plex. Okay. P L E X, uh, rules strongly on Mars and the moon, another colony. And, uh, and has extended their tenuous grasp to parts of the earth, uh, controlling most of the populace through television and a small force of these police rangers of which reuben flag is a part of and so uh the law here the lawgivers here are weird mishmash. they are uh some of them are former pro athletes basketball baseball and uh and and actors like reuben and they have firearms that uh will protect you you know in these malls but they don't extend too far out into the other streets because Again, they're there to, 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 to protect the most important remnants of, of the society that exists on earth. And in this case in Chicago, that, that, that attend these giant mega malls, uh, lots of humans have died off. And, uh, while we are never told in American flag, the current population, uh, uh, it, it, it is, it is known that it is much less than it used to be. And, uh, the bottom line is uh, they refer to 1996 as the year of the domino because that's when all the dominoes started to fall and uh, the uh, Ruben Flagg as an actor Uh, (laughs) the, the reason he is able to be drafted and be part of this law force is because a hologram of Ruben Flagg is now making all the films that he used to make so he is his likeness has been employed as Mark thrust sexist ranger. Now leaving him to arrive in Chicago as one of these police rangers. Ah, uh, I'm going to tell you right now from the minute, cause I had seen Howard chicken at some conventions. You can Google Howard chicken star Wars right now, and you're going to get pictures of him in 1976 at comic conventions, promoting star Wars alongside Roe Thomas. they were, they're wearing yellow um, star Wars shirts that, that with Howard's illustrations on them. And they were there giving out posters and pumping up the crowd for what was eventually going to be the Star Wars adaptation coming out the next spring and summer. So if you look at Howard and then eventually how Howard and he even talks in this comics journal uh, interview that he eventually kind of really fell into fashion himself because because the interviewer asks, like, you know, what was the deal with all the fashion and American flag? And he uh, is very clear in saying, you know, that he as he got older and more fitter and, and found himself a more presentable human in his own words that he, you know, took on. A greater sense of importance in regards to fashion and 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 i remember seeing howard in the 80s and arriving in the same suits that he uh would have ruben flag um adorned in in the pages of american flag straight up howard and 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 ruben flag are kind of mirror images of each other and 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 howard would not deny that there's a lot of howard shaken in ruben flag but ruben is our audience surrogate to this entire world to um you know, Raul, the talking cat. Yes, there's a talking cat that is semi his boss. Um, and who breaks down so much of the origins and gives you a lot of the information that I just did. There is Luther, the robot, and there's all manner of, um, women that, that Ruben Flagg has sex with throughout the series. Why do I bring that up? Aside from not having any capes and superpowers and, and lanterns to charge rings or, or special hammers and shields, uh, The thing about American Flag in 1983 is uh, Reuben Flagg had a lot of sex. He he was a gentleman that was getting laid quite a bit. And to us as uh, consumers who were buying the comic books, you could, you know, in X-Men, Chris Claremont would tease romance and dalliances with Scott Summers and Jean Grey, Madeline Pryor, uh, you know, the White Queen... We'd show Wolverine express his lust for Jean Grey. We had the Vision showing lust for Scarlet Witch. We had Iron Man semi kind of looking uh, out of his armor. And, and and I've talked in other podcasts how he was kind of semi-lusting after Scarlet Witch as well. Everyone's had implied relationships uh, over in the Teen Titans. Starfire and, you know, uh, Nightwing slash Robin slash Dick Grayson would wake up in bed together. But no one was having sex. And Howard Shaken was giving us what all these other comic book relationships were teasing. And Reuben Flagg had a healthy, healthy sex life. And when pressed on this, <clears throat> which which I thought was fantastic in as bold as, as he answered it, uh, Howard, you know, is very, very, um, very honest in saying that he wanted to show... Um, you know he wanted to show sex because no one else was so exactly what I'm telling you the, he knew the audience was um, deprived of this uh, aspect of comics which made them more mature I mean there's violence in American Flag too but the sex really set it apart and there was always uh, uh, depictions of Ruben taking his clothes off and let me tell you something getting back to the fashion and he's pressed on this uh, I should probably just go directly to the interview Uh, In the comics journal, the interviewer Gary Groth says, "Speaking of sex, sex is a big part part of American Flag." Chaykin says, "Smaller than most people seem to think." And he says, "Gary Groth goes, American uh, Ruben Flag gets laid often," and Chaykin says, "Only by comparison to other comic book characters, which is exactly what I'm telling you. We were teased with romances, but but not the actual, you know, intimacy that Chaykin made sure that we saw each and every. It was definitely a mature." Um, product and again back again you've got to go back to 1983 when children myself the teens of america were being fed uh during that time you you know we were at the dawn of a brand new r-rated age of movies and those movies ruled cinema they weren't the pg-13 family films that we now are slaves to at the cinemaplex okay I'm talking RoboCop. I'm talking Total Recall. I'm talking going back to ni- you know, 1983, 1984, Terminator. Let's go back further to Ridley Scott, 1979, Alien, uh, Conan the Barbarian. R-rated movies um, were, were, were were really catching on, and they would never look back. Remember, all three Diehards, the original Die Hard trilogy is R-rated. Lethal Weapon with Mel Gibson and Danny Glover is R-rated. These are mature. They had people in mature relationships. There was excessive violence, excessive sex. These were chart-topping movies, Predator, okay? Again, Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, Predator, Robocop, Total Recall, the Aliens movies, both Alien and Aliens, and every alien that followed uh, at this time. These are all R-rated movies. R-rated movies were topping the cinema. You know, Terminator 2, year in, year out, and it all started in the late 70s, early 80s. And so American Flag was more reflective of what we were seeing as a culture at the Cinemaplex, (laughs) I keep saying Cinemaplex. at the Cineplex. I'll just <laughs> I'll cut off the cut off I'll cut off the cinema part and just say the Cineplex because I sound funny. Um but anyway, Howard goes on and he details in this 1986 comics journal interview, he says, uh uh when he says <clears throat> only by comparison to other comic book characters, Gary Groth says, uh, no, I would say he gets more sex than most people I know. And then Chakin says, Well, that's one of the reasons I made him an actor entertainer. He says, uh, and the interviewer says, an ex- as an excuse to portray him getting laid a lot. And Chakin says, no, to justify the fact that there was a lot of sex running through the strip. I was interested in doing sex in comics mostly because it had never been done in a mainstream book or to any extent. And I felt like, I felt like seeing that, I, I felt like seeing if I could pull it off. He said, you've said that you weren't, interested in children's fantasy vis-a-vis comics that you were interested in adult fantasies instead which presumably involved lots of sex and Chaikin says my fantasies tend to be sexual rather than violent and he says well there's a lot of violence in flag as well and he says well i have to work much harder on portraying the violence and the interviewer laughs and says in what way and he says well my experience in sex is far wider than my experience in violence he says look i've been beat up plenty but that was ages ago so that is a really um Interesting kind of opening the doorway to how he portrayed sex in American flag. And furthermore, he then says, look, the interviewer says. "Uh, You give your women lots of heels and garters. Is this a statement of sorts? And Shaken says, hardly. Look, it all hadn't been done in comics before in that form. And I felt it was time to do it because, yes, most of Howard Shaken's women have uh, garter belts, uh, extremely high heels, long legs. Uh, uh, braziers or no braziers whatsoever, but and they are portrayed as sexual objects in this comic. As um, and and generally when they all get na- get they take their clothes off. That is how they're portrayed. I mean, page after page after page of garter belts, garter belts, high heels, braziers, and look, as far as again the mature nature of comics, it was um, titillating to a young audience. Howard Chaykin, I think, knew. Look, I can, with First Comics, which is not uh, comics code authority regulated, this is only to direct market books. None of these books are making it to the spinner rack. They're not showing up in the grocery store. I'm going to go and give them the R-rated material that I think um, should be seen because he personally wanted to see it himself. He also says in this interview, he's out to please himself first and foremost, and he thinks that he has commercial instincts, and I think that reflects all of us in the comic book business. We follow what we believe our instincts say and we all feel like our instincts have some sort of um application to the audience so <clears throat> when when asked about the heels and garters as a statement he says hardly they hadn't been done in comics before and i felt it was time to do it i'm making sure he says i'm making myself i'm sure after the fact sound very canny making a list of things that hadn't been done in comics and then he laughs and the interviewer says well that was my point surely everything that hasn't been done in comics doesn't necessarily need to be done in comics Chakin says i agree it happened that those things came together to make a cohesive whole to make sense to me i might add that i like women in high heels which i might add hardly sets me apart from most other men there isn't this long gray line with one black dot at the end it's it's me he says so do you see it as self, do you see the self-indulgence as virtue and he says no and in this case the aspect of the book that was self-indulgent that was self-indulgent is such a minor part of the entire thing. There was a coherency to the material. These were stories that made sense with characters that were reasonably rich, particularly when compared to the mainstream mass market. Um, And again, these are like what he's trying to say, basically, and what is, how it's portrayed when you get your copies, as I know you're going to, of American Flag. There are a lot of um, high society girls. Um, And uh, you know, I just, again, when I, when I tell you uh, that, 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 again, th- this was the forbidden fruit of, this is the forbidden fruit of American shaken, uh, of American shaken, <laughs> of American flag. And Howard was expressing these amazing graphic images uh, of, of both violence, of sex, of this more mature, um, you know, themed world. But above it all, he expressed it so again we've got it's mature he he he's an actor who's been enlisted as a ranger in a dystopian world that only protects the rich and the rich all go to these malls and the plex shows people movies and images that control them with violence because they want to instill it's kind of an undercurrent of the story if you go out and commit the violence that they want that they're showing you then there will be more of a region uh, reason to enforce that violence. So by showing you the violence and, and 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 installing, instigating some crime, they keep this vicious cycle going. And uh, uh, <clears throat> the the uh, the the aspects of uh, of the plex. Just to understand as we wrap this up, this con- concept before we get to the graphics. The Reuben Flagg character who, again, really reflects young Howard Chaikin, who is in his 30s when he's doing this. Uh, he goes, to, Ruben Flagg works at the decadent Chicago Plex Mall. Um, the geography of the Plex America isn't completely clear, but there are large malls with shopping and services and apartments, possibly only for the people com- connected with the Plex itself and major international and planetary corporations. Again, he is really drawing a line in American flag between the haves and the have-nots. And and in this Comics Journal interview, he expresses that he believes, Howard Chakin believes in his words that the rich are immoral, that they do things to stay rich that are immoral, and that they uh, they only kind of cheat to get there. He, he is not a Republican. He can't stand Ronald Reagan in this interview. He thinks Reagan is an... Um, you know, a self aggrandizing bastard um, d- believes that Reagan drastically changed the uh, political playing field and how politicians were up or which he disagrees with. And I, I mean, it's hard not to see everything he's saying and then go to the world that we've been through, which is the four years of Trump. Now this Biden era and, and, and see that Howard Chakin had a very keen eye. I mean, I think the pandemic really showed us the haves and the have not have nots either. I mean, when you've got a giant um, mogul from his yacht, Saying this is how you know I'm going to ride out uh, the pandemic. Uh, you know, I mean, I mean, th- 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 this this kind of stuff was par for the course during the pandemic. And I think that one of the reasons that the pandemic frustrated so many was that even if you were rich, you couldn't gain entry into a European country during that time. You couldn't just globetrot because those borders were closed to you, whether you had money or not. And 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 that was, I think, when the rich started to freak out all over the world no matter who you were when borders are closed and entry is denied there's nothing you can do about it and 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 that was the one thing that unified all of us and made us for a brief period feel as if we were all a one person no matter if you were rich or poor you couldn't go to Italy you couldn't go to Greece and they couldn't come here so it was a very interesting time but but um de- most definitely uh Howard is is saw a, a a certain type of future again semi-informed by different whether it was uh, whether wh- whether it was Soylent Green or Blade Runner there are aspects running through American Flag um, <clears throat> the uh, these Plex malls are where most of the adventure takes place there's um, dangers in the go gangs the go go gangs uh, that 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 um, that because they're primarily the enemies that we are introduced to reuben and his uh rangers battling um and you know along the way over the course of this series there's a lot of soap opera he finds allies and enemies in this world that he's been uh, enlisted into and uh you know that the the dialogue is very fast-paced it's very at the time he'd say woody allen-esque and he also in his interview felt like, you know, Woody Allen and all the movies that he ever did. He's this kind of normal guy who got have, who gets to have sex and romantic relationships with these fabulous women, which I think is as a tenant of every single Woody Allen film up to the point where he got canceled. I mean, he did 30 years of these films, if not more. And uh, and and so this is what you know, Howard Chaikin said he was trying to also reflect that given that Reuben Flagg had been a movie star that everybody gets naked and wants to um, get down with the movie star. Now, again, you know, even back then, this interviewer saying, don't you believe it's sexist? You're portraying these women as sexist. And Howard Chicken doesn't argue with him. He says, yes. I mean, I I think in many ways, yes. And do I believe that American flag would be pulled off today in the same kind of culture that battles with some woke dynamics currently in the marketplace? I, I do wonder how it would be received. But the bottom line is that 1983, it blew the doors off. And it was clearly First Comics, best-selling comic. It was the buzz of the comic book industry. He hit his monthly marks. He says that he was fast. But when he went to the density of work that this included, the American flag, that it even slowed him down. Because um, Howard Chaykin came up as an assistant to uh, both Wally Wood and Gil Kane, huge, giant titans in the comics industry during the Silver Age of Comics. And he said that he learned a ton about discipline, storytelling, structure, layout, design from both gentlemen. He really values his time with Gil Kane. He really feels that like his time with Gil Kane was the most formative for him. And you can see a lot of Gil Kane in the work that Howard was doing. He even talks in this interview how while he was trying to, at one point, be a Neil Adams, uh, Bernie Wrightson-styled uh, rendering artist, an artist that used more rendering in his work, he streamlined. And that's the other thing you saw in American Flag. He had definitely caught on to a more streamlined style. Everyone is, um, the, 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 the other aspect not only was he drawing in a streamlined style, more of an open animation kind of line art, but he was using all of the boards that he was using to create the work for American flag were a special kind of board. They weren't just your everyday run-of-the-mill Bristol board. They were, they were called duotone. And on duotone, because I've held these originals in my hand, and at the time people were like, is he doing all these different patterns? Is he cutting these duotone uh, patterns from the different sheets that you can buy at the architectural you know, store? Because I've, I've covered... How, how different duotone sheets have been utilized in the past. Uh, Klaus Janssen, Terry Austin famously utilized them more than anyone else in the history of the business. And again, duotone are any type of pattern that you can think of, crossed lines, very uh, straight, uh, tight, horizontal lines, widened, more, more horizontal lines with space, dot patterns, splatter patterns, um, any type of rendering pattern. Is available on these sheets and you'd buy these sheets which were bigger than eight and a half by 11 not quite 11 by 17 but then you would cut what you wanted on the clear sheet because it was the sheet is the wax sheet and the duotone is is the adhesive paper and you would cut the pattern you want and fitted it and again i did this on x-force I was, again, looking over my X-Force issues and and, and was looking again. There's an entire issue where Cannonball and Feral and Boom 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 are in the kitchen, and I saw a particular sheet of Duotone at the architectural uh, art warehouse that I was at, and I said, oh, I can use this as as a wallpaper pattern for this entire sequence, and I did. Anything with textures and wallpapers, Eric Larson, really, I think, more than any of the image guys, especially when he started doing the regular Spider-Man book or the After He Inherited, Spider-Man from Todd McFarlane when Todd left and then all the way through early dragons, maybe still today, he, you can actually get these patterns now via your, you know, Cintiq or your, uh, you know, digital apps that can help you draw and, and, and are creating so much of the work today. But again, back in the dark ages of the eighties, this is how this stuff was done, except I had never heard of duotone board. And on the duotone board, you, there was a chemical that you bought with, uh, the usage of the board and you would dip your brush in that chemical and it would create a pattern that the first stroke would create one pattern of, of dots. The second would create another pattern of dots over that pattern of dots, a third or fourth. You get the picture, all of the rendering and the depth of Howard Shakin's drawing on American flag came from him utilizing the duotone aspect of the paper. And putting these these dot patterns that we all thought at the time early on that were duotone strips, but he was actually it was actually built into the board itself and activated through the chemical going back back and forth, depending on how many strokes you wanted to put. But whether it was faces, the structuring, the shading around the eyes, the cheekbone, um, the coroscuro lines that he would do on the figures, the women all part of this duotone pattern so he came to play man his time off after he leaves micronauts goes dark does some heavy metal work comes back comes roaring back he has changed his style it's a much more basic and almost animated line art simplicity and howard draws beautiful faces i've said before some of the reasons why you love the artists that you love begin and end with the faces you fall in love with the faces that that that, that, that these artists draw more than anything there are plenty of artists that i've liked who from the neck down draw some really badass stuff but they're characters are cross-eyed or they're mushy-faced or just the, the faces just don't sell me the guys that i tell you again and again and again that i fell in love with walt simons and frank miller george perez john byrne jim starlin howard jacen they draw great faces okay howard's no slouch either very handsome very attractive again his women were very much based in a patrick Nagel approach but it is the layouts and the design of his pages again the tv the 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 entire TV monitor built in as a storytelling device begins with Howard Chaikin. I did not see it uh, prior to being an American Flag in 1983. And there are certain pages that have 24 panels, 18 panels. He would do these incredible, he would take the grid to the next level. A grid that would then show up in both The Watchmen and in Dark Knight, which came out three years later. You don't think everybody looks at each other's work? They do. As I grab, because uh, I love the the large hard, I love the large edition size of the original um, hardcover album, which collects the first four issues, American Flag, Hard Times. <clears throat> uh, you you get the sense, and also, I, 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 on top of this incredible layout, and again the inset panel, the advent of the inset panel w- through 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 his Star Wars work and his Dominic Fortune work and his Cody Starbuck work. Monarch, Star Stalker. You did not see Howard approach storytelling as he did here. And prior to this, Frank Miller on Daredevil had a very widescreen, um, a ton of of uh, horizontal panels, and and he he Frank Miller would tell Daredevil, and it moved like cinema, like storyboards. Then he did a book called Ronin, when he left Marvel and went to DC. Prior to his work on Dark Knight, now Ronin is one of my favorite. Frank Miller works we haven't talked about it in depth again because it doesn't have the I imagine that in my head I haven't brought it to the fore because of its lack of name brand quantity but we're going to get there but Ronan was Frank Miller's combo of his obsession with Mobius and European artists but mostly Jean Girard, uh, Mobius and the the eastern manga like Lone Wolf and Cub um, he, he brought two different sensibilities and that is in and of itself had a very distinct structure Dark Knight does not look like Ronin Dark Knight looks like American Flag The page layouts The density um, the, the inset panels The, the uh, figures off to the side the, um, the excessive use of television monitors To communicate stories And to tell um, to, to inform kind of Back story Or be a, a form of narration is all a product of what Howard Shakin uh, brought to to the table in this amazing? I mean, just the body of work that the the Image Comics hardcover. It's called the American Fla- Howard Shakin's American Flag Definitive Collection. Those fourteen issues combined, of which of, of which he did twelve. Um, he wrote the last two, but he didn't draw the last two. He didn't draw like thirteen and fourteen, but the first twelve issues are all Howard. And again, just looking, I mean, again. On this, um, uh, let's see, I said 24 panels. Let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 20. Oh, my gosh. Let's try 35 panels on on this page from Howard Howard Chicken's American flag number one. And it's not cramped. None of it's cramped. The panels are all basically uh, three-quarters of an inch by three-quarters of an inch. I mean, they're very tiny. But the density with which he would lay out panels... And use media and um, television monitors to tell stories. The way that he had cascading pages, uh, cascading panels across the page, the inset panel on top of the uh, really very well laid out but dense, dense panel work. Then he then he would put inset panels on top of the panels, and an inset panel is a panel that is on top of another panel. You've seen it utilized by all of the image guys, Will's Portacio, myself, Mark Silvestri, but it came into fashion with Mister Howard Chaykin. When Frank, th- there's a scene in Dark Knight Number One when Bruce Wayne is wandering the streets, when he still has his mustache and he hasn't yet truly become Batman again, and then there's a bunch of little, small, three quarter of an inch panels side by side by side running down alongside him and on the next page, that is Howard Chaykin's layout and design. American Flag had everybody talking. I can I was there. I was a teenager. I was buying American Flag. It was one of my purchases like ElfQuest that I've done a dedicated podcast on on how transformational ElfQuest was is like my first independent comic that I fell in love with. But first comic, specific comics, Jack Kirby had Captain Victory. A few years later, boom, here comes Howard Chaykin with American Flag. And let me tell you something. Again, Howard Chagan was an established Marvel Comics superstar. He went away. He had was clearly on those last issues of Micronauts, was tiring out. But he comes back with American flag. It's violent. It's sexy. It's mature. It's really out there in terms of its sci- sci-fi premise. I mean, the government has moved to Mars. And this organization called the Plex is kind of influencing all of us with giant lump sums of media. There was a show called Max Headroom that took the character of Max Headroom who was being used as commercials in commercials to sell you products. And then they decided to make a show called Max Headroom. Much of Max Headroom... And the plot surrounding it was in my, I mean, as a fan, because Max Headroom comes on in like 86, 87. And I'm like, this is American flag. I saw this in comics in 1983. Again, the first year of American flag was transformative. The page designs, the layouts, the figure placement, the gestures. There's a giant page where like there's a, there's a, a party and and Ruben flag is, is not in his police gear. He is, um, you know, in this almost, uh, futuristic version of a zoot suit uh and and then he pulls out his giant gun and he starts exchanging fire with the gangs that are there because they've infiltrated the party and there's a giant panel of flag that is positioned to the right of the page and firing away in the guns and it is absolutely what i've discussed on this podcast many times before an anchor shot a jerk shot a money shot all of those different uh terms that have been that we were accused when we started image comics of only doing the money shot the jerk shot you know the anger. Uh, th- this is where it starts. This is where I first start. I-, I I believe Walt Simonson was extremely influenced by this as well. My friend Jim Starlin, the the man who created Thanos, the man who gave you Dreadstar, uh, the man that revitalized Adam Warlock, uh, seminal you know creator Infinity Gauntlet, Endgame. This guy is big time. We were uh, there for the kickoff of the Avengers Campus in in the Anaheim the- the Disneyland about a year and a half ago. I said, come on, Jim, Who who is your, who is your peer group? Who are the guys that you measured yourself? Who, who are the guys that were like your rivals? And I was a Jim Starlin complete homer as a kid. I bought Warlock. I bought his Captain Marvel. I bought his Avengers, anything with Thanos. Fairly quickly, he positioned himself in the independent realm and started doing a book a comic, a concept called Metamorphosis Odyssey. Metamorphosis Odyssey became Dreadstar. Those characters were first introduced in this strip that he was running in a in Marvel's version of heavy metal that they started called Epic Magazine. It was called Metamorphosis Odyssey, and he was painting it. I'm like, wow, Jim Starlin paints. He then went on to launch Dreadstar. So he was definitely in the creator-owned realm, part of the inspiration for all of us image guys. When I said, who was your, come on, who was the guys that pushed you? Who was, knowing that Jim was a contemporary of guys like uh, John Byrne and Frank Miller and George Perez. And he said, Rob, it was Howie. It's always been Howie. Chakin, you know, because they're buds. Calls him Howie, Howie Chakin. Um, Howard really uh, professes throughout this interview how hard the work was on American Flag because he was really trying to, to, um, do his very best. I'm going to read to you another excerpt from that interview, which, uh, which, which conveys, um, just how hard and, and, uh, Howard chicken says, look, before American flag, I was one of the hardest. I was one of the fastest guys in the business. Uh, but the work I was turning out wasn't very good. This is, these are his words. The interviewer says, why was American flag so difficult? Why did it require so much labor chicken says, because I became obsessive I was trying to push my own capabilities, seeing what I was fully capable of doing because I knew what I wanted, because I knew what I could do automatically. And I wanted to see what I could do when I actually worked at it and pushed to see what happened when I gave it my all. It was a difficult experience and it's an experience that I won't be experiencing anytime soon. Again, I work very hard on all the material I do. I see every job I do until it's been out for a couple of months as crap. And only do I begin to see the quality in it later on. I uh, do have an objection to self-congratulations. Uh, I'm going to be doing American flag again, and we can talk about that in a little while. Um, and uh, when the guy, the interviewer compliments me he goes, holy fuck, I'm surprised and always flattered that anyone would give such a shit about American flag. Well, let me tell you something, Howard chicken Everyone gave such a shit. It was evident in 1983, pulling American flag off the shelves, and, and what I wanted to mention, Ken Bruzenek. Ken Bruzenek is one of the chief, uh, I, I think, a, a giant influence on this book. Howard would tell you the same. He worked hand in hand with him. Um, he was the, uh, the letterer of, 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 uh, of American flag. And the lettering of American flag is ridiculously, I mean, ridiculously noticeable uh the sound effects the 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 basically what i will call the lettering and sound design um ken brusenak put his imprimatur all over this book working hand in hand with 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 uh with howie um whether it was the helicopter sounds the jet sounds the gun sounds the sounds in the in the um in the mall uh the 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 communication from the televisions the, the lettering is so important. I I feel like Ken Bruzenak and John Workman over on Thor were really strutting and trying to outdo each other. But Howard says he's also a contemporary of, how, of, of Walt Simonson's, and they were good friends at the time. And I'm telling you, I could see American Flag. There was something different about what Walt Simonson did on Thor than anything he had done before. And I am telling you, it is a result of him seeing American Flag, just as it was a result as Frank Miller seeing American Flag and Alan Moore seeing American Flag. A lot of the dystopian nature of Watchmen, I believe, was absolutely informed. By everyone looking at American flag, this is an industry that immediately influences everyone looking at it. I'm going to tell you right now, one of the things in the industry that that is going on right now is I have not seen anyone create work that everyone wants to imitate in almost 20, maybe more years. There is something to the fact that when people want to imitate you and you see imitations... It is because the work that you have done is so profound and other than a bunch of guys and many of them overseas talents trying to draw or do a dissertation of the style of Stuart Amonin, I haven't seen anyone stylistically, storytelling wise, design wise, um, the the, the rendering wise impact the culture in over two decades. 20 years is a long time, but guys like Howard Shakin, they were the guys that inspired us they inspired my generation he inspired frank miller frank miller inspired us I, it is it is a great crime that i have not pushed howard Shaken as much as i have pushed him today i sat alongside howard Shaken uh in in 2015's houston comic con i was thrilled to be a, alongside of him star wars was clearly back in uh, in the limelight i had been rebuying some of the treasury editions as I, as as i you know have been sharing uh, with you today that were available in 1977. I was buying them at the, at the show to have him autograph, which he did very generously. Um, and he was very polite to me, but I could tell, you know, and I could tell by this interview because Howard talks about contemporaries and he's not terribly impressed with them. And I'm not sure if I was Howard Jacob, I'd be impressed with anyone at that time either, much less, I'm sure the image guys, uh, you know, we, uh, I, I don't think he viewed us uh, terribly positively, but he was incredibly polite and kind to me. Uh, And it was just a a great pleasure to spend the weekend tabling next to him, knowing what a gigantic uh, talent that he is. And the fact that we aren't aware, more aware of American flag and that someone goes, oh, this comes from Dark Knight, these TV monitors. No, they don't. They come from American flag. They come from the pen and the creative mind and the design and the page layout and the futuristic applications that he put on the page down to the duotone. Which no one, I had never seen anyone do before. And again, just casually glancing through these pages, you'll see it. You'll see all the different dot patterns on people's faces. It was part of the graphic, the graphic presentation. American flag was, you know, head to toe, page to page, just a punch in the face. Graphically different than everything else. Again, no superheroes. Nobody flying through the skies. They fly air cycles. The the the. It says in the in the American flag story, it, it talks about how the skies are controlled by the plex, and that only uh, approved. Uh, Vehicles up to 20 airline, up to 20 planes a day can take through the airs um, of Chicago and, and otherwise the Rangers in their flight cycles. Again, a lot of, I mean, there's definitely some Ridley Scott and some Blade Runner in there, but Ridley Scott doesn't know how to do page design. Um, he knows how to film kick ass movies. What, 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 what Howard Chicken brought here with all of the graphic representation, all of these illustrations, was just state of the art. And it was, I mean, guys in suits with guns, guys in uniforms, robots, talking cats, beautiful women, lots of sex um, and violence. And and, and again, uh, I mean, the Rangers go to the snow. They go to all different environments. They get out of Chicago eventually. I mean, for, uh, Howard continues to push himself. But this is a guy that stepped away from comics and came back hugely, hugely influential and inspired. And if you don't believe me, I'm going to wrap this up. I could, I could wrap this up with any manner of, uh, of of, of uh, forwards and afterwards because in all of these books uh, you know, someone is accomplished as the fantasy writer Michael Morrock again who gave you er- Elric E-L-R-I-C and Elric was getting tons of comic book adaptations at the time, one of the best is by uh, P. Craig Russell but Michael Morrock writes the introduction to this uh, Hard Times album and he says uh, <clears throat> I'm going to just jump down. He talks about all the great artists that he's encountered in comics. This is uh, Michael Morrock, including Hal Foster, Bern Hogarth, Mobius. Um, He says, for some years, one of my favorite contemporary American graphic artists has been Howard Chaykin. I first came across his work over a decade ago when he was adapting Fritz Lieber's wonderful Fafford and Grey Mouser stories for comics. By the way, that's in our Sword and Sorcery series when I cover how DC responded to Marvel's, you know, dominance in the Sword and Sorcery uh, market. I actually talk about this Howard Chaykin, uh, Fritz Lieber, Fawford, and Gray Mouser adaptation because DC featured it in a book that they called Sword and Sorcery. So check that out if you want to go deeper into this. But Michael Morrock is saying that this is where he first encountered him. He says he seemed a natural. He seemed naturally suited to translate Lieber into illustrated form. I was also an enthusiast for his short-lived Iron Wolf series, as well as Cody Starbuck that he did for Star, Star Reach. It had been a long time since I had sought, him out, sought out an illustrator so that I could personally congratulate him. In New York in 1976, I was able to last meet Howard Shaken For many reasons, including mutual enthusiasms of all sorts, we hit it off, and have been good friends ever since. I've continued to admire Howard's work over the past decade, watching it mature and grow more complex change sometimes in unexpected directions and from time to time we've worked together frequently on aborted projects including his excellent cover for my novel gloriana which the publisher's editor art editor rejected in favor of a ludicrously inferior painting he worked on the storyboards for an Elric movie and so on and so forth the only relatively major project which came off was our collaboration of an eternal champion novel at a time when I felt I'd exhausted the possibilities alone. The Swords of Heaven and the Flowers of Hell, to which Howard brought an energy and freshness and originality of imagination in which I in turn inspired which in turn inspired me to reconsider my decision not to do more fantasy books. So I have much more to thank Howard than for just simple pleasures. I'd also enjoyed his adaptations, for instance, Bester's The Star's My Destination, Delaney's Empire, as well as his Star Wars adaptation. I always felt like the Han Solo of the movies owed a great deal to Howard's own Cody Starbuck, even down into his taste in shirts, down to his taste in shirts. Howard's posters, book jackets, magazines, illustrations, and so on. I was a great fan of. Chaken for me was not only one of the best draftsmen in the field. He was one of the few with a genuine narrative gift. In other words, he could tell a damned fine story. Moreover, like the best and most influential graphic novel, um, graphic artists before him, he was prepared to explore new techniques, adapt old ones, invent fresh ones, fresh ones which would enable him to tell that story, to convey as much information in as concentrated a way as possible. He was determined to make the best possible use of the available space. In a sense, he benefited from the discipline of the standard comic book format, the way some of us benefit from learning our trade as magazine or newspaper writers, and others gained, like the Beatles say, from the tyranny of the old two-and-a-half-minute single. "'Howard Chaikin's work is always exciting, "'sometimes too extreme for some readers, "'though it's astonishing how quickly a technical experiment "'can become an accepted and wildly imitated convention. "'Always of a basic high standard, "'if sometimes hasty in its finish, "'and thoroughly reflecting for those of us "'who enjoy his company, "'his own mercurial wit and idealistic personality. "'I greatly appreciate both Howard's friendship "'and his work, the pleasure in seeing him "'in whatever city or continent where our paths crossed "'once considerably enhanced.' When he married Leslie Zoller, it's always good to be around a marriage of equals. Leslie Zoller, eventually Leslie Chaikin, by the way, not only gets credit in this book as a colorist, but she is also the model of one of the main characters. This is pretty much a family business these days. Even the cat had to earn his keep, though at least he gets a speaking part. Maybe one of the reasons I've always felt Chaykin and I have a fair bit in common is that neither of us seem happy doing the same thing for very long periods of time. Howard Chaykin Remains interestingly interesting partly because he's able to take chances, including the chance of alienating regular customers or simply abandoning a project when he feels he's done. And to admit if an idea hasn't come off the way that he had hoped. Whenever I've seen him, he's always had a new enthusiasm, be it for a character, a technique, a project, or an entirely different career. If he feels boredom setting in, he immediately looks around for something which won't bore him. Since I've known him, Howard Chaykin has been promising us with something with promising us something which brings together all his talents all his various enthusiasms which reflects his personality his passionate involvement in the world around him and which expresses what he stands for both individually and politically the first real signs of his accomplishing this ambition came when he raised as it when he raised as it were a particular flag American flag might have hit the world, and I mean the world, not merely the U.S., as a miraculous new departure, the freshest thing in comics for years to come, and all those other superlatives which begin to be expressed pretty much as soon as the first issue was off the press. But to me, it was... Only what I had expected. Howard Chicken was at last beginning to harness and express his extraordinary talent. I happen to believe he's going to astonish us even more over the next few years. But but in the meantime, American Flag has brought an injection of energy, skill, imaginative invention, creative enthusiasm, and experimental narrative techniques to the world of graphic storytelling, which hit new standards with this effort. American Flag is, for me the tradition of the urban adventure story whose greatest components include Chandler, Hammett, and Philip K. Dick. The revitalization of this form cannot come... Uh, the The revitalization of this form came not with the many pastiches of 30 movies and books which began to proliferate from the 60s and on, a nostalgic recreation of the past that had little to do with bringing anything fresh to the genre, but with a kind of science fiction story set in a myopic future as thoroughly as Chandler's series were set in a myopic Los Angeles. What informed the best of these tales was what you might call a... Hard-nosed liberalism, a romanticism which accepted the realities of modern life, an emphasis on fallible heroes and heroines, a tendency to represent evil with a human and sometimes very charming face. In many aspects, the Maltese Falcon is the purest example of the form as we have come to understand it. In its science fiction, guys, Ridley Scott's Blade Runner is perhaps the worthiest attempt on film to date. This was something of a godsend to the graphic artist since since it combined atmosphere and emphasis on people around in Hammett say with the opportunity to delight in an orgy of visual expression what's more if one wished to make full use of the form and its symbolism there was as in Chandler James Kane and others the possibility of telling a moral tale a chance to say something about the state of the world without spoiling the narrative flow without something preachy without boring oneself or the reader and here it is in its most enjoyable and most sophisticated version to date, in a graphic narrative, Howard Schakon's first all-American, hard-nosed liberal, humanly fallible, land, uh, humanly fallible, and still I feel obli- obliged to point out, somewhat sexist, <laughs> Jewish urban adventurer, the defender of all that our current leaders seem anxious to destroy and deny in our democratic traditions. My friend, and I hope yours, Ruben Flagg, you're going to like this. Michael Morrock, London, England, May 1985. Now, if you think that was verbose, and it was, Michael Shabon wrote an a, a much more verbose uh, entry to the image collection, and I'm not going to read that, but when I am going to read to you, because it's so much more, I think... Uh, applicable to you is the afterward of the image dynamic forces collection with these first 14 issues of american flag and it's by jim lee it's briefer it's to the point it's more how my generation would express itself because that was freaking poetry what i just read you right there the afterward by jim lee ages ago back in the early 80s i was a as straightforward a mainstream Marvel DC fan as there could be. To me, Marvel's supervillain team-up defined the cutting edge. All my preconceptions about comics were blown out of the water in 1983 when I discovered the work of Howard Chaikin, creator, writer, artist, and designer extraordinaire. His work on American Flag forever changed my view of what comics were and, more importantly, could be. Bursting with electric energy and crammed with more sound effects than seemingly possible, supplied by the incredibly frenetic and tweaked lettering of Ken bruzenac American Flag was comic's version of Phil Spector's Wall of Sound. Beyond its prescience, Flag not only showed the potential of our medium, but reinvigorated nay recreated the visual vocabulary of action and storytelling that jack kirby had so incredibly created in the early 60s after american flag it was like a whole new ball game with shaken like a fastball high and inside came in and knocked so many of my generation off our feet and left us on the floor dazed and overwhelmed those brave enough to stand back up were richly rewarded Beyond the postmodern world beat pop culture wordplay, beyond the staccato pulse of imagery, was the auteur himself, American Flag, was probably the first work that impressed me with how personal the work felt. No one else but Howard Chaykin could have created American Flag, and I remember even to this day, not just how blown away I was reading the first issue, but how inspired and motivated the experience left me to go out there and simply create myself. 20 plus years later, and the work is still just that damn good. Thankfully, it is now collected and ready to knock the next generation off their collective feet just make sure you get back up and learn from the experience i know i did jim lee september 2008. i can't think of higher praise michael morrock jim lee an entire podcast dedicated to it um i hope you guys go out and check out american flag and for those of you who never heard of it before i pray that you enjoy learning of it today and you'll check it out and you'll see exactly what i'm saying Three years prior to the publication of Dark Knight, American flag redefined the art form, paving the way. Ditto for Watchmen. Um, Howard Chaykin is still alive. If you get to see him at a show, tell him what a visionary and how he impacted and transformed all of us. Uh, because he did. His, his work, the way he drew figures. Uh, Jim, Jim has also mentioned before the way Howard drew people in suits and, and, and stationary clothing. I mean, again, there is no capes. No uh, no tight spandex in American Flag. And it was still one of the most, if not the most, revolutionary comic books of its age. American Flags, ladies and gentlemen, go do yourself a favor. Go out and get copies as fast as you possibly can. As you guys are aware, or maybe this is your first episode, at the end of every episode, I read the reviews that you guys leave for me across the different podcast platforms. I am so grateful that you guys are out converting um your friends and your um your family whomever to the podcast we are growing at an an exciting rate i am so thrilled that you guys are sharing this experience and thank you for each and every review that you leave it matters so much to help us stand out on the platform these five star ratings that you give us and these generous reviews are so appreciated by me and i read them at the end of each show i am going to read today from my buddy alexis uh Alexis writes, gives us um, really very generously a a, a a, really amazing review. Says, more fun than a barrel of super monkeys. Just finished listening to the Superman sensation episode of Rob's Observations and am struck as always by Rob's boundless enthusiasm for the subject matter. I have listened to dozens. Of episodes of this show, and can honestly say that I learned something new from each and every episode, and that is saying something because I have been a comic book junkie since the Lord was a boy. Who knew that John Carter of Mars was an influence on the Man of Steel? Not me. Not until this episode. Love the show, Rob. Keep up the great work. Alexis. Hey, Alexis, thank you so much. I do. I try and bring. An unbridled passion, just like I did today for Howard Chaikin and the Amer- an American Flag, a, a body of work that I should have discussed way earlier than I have, but I'm just so tired of people not connecting the the right dots. This is the source. Just like John Carter, Warlord of Mars, had, had so much influence on Superman, American Flag influenced everything that came after, even works that became more acclaimed, better well-known, but would not have existed without um, Howard Chicken is an incredible American flag. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Thank you for leaving all of these generous um reviews. Continue to leave them. I will read them at, at the end of each and every show. We have plenty to catch up on. I'll be fitting you guys in here for the, the the weeks to come. I guarantee it. I am all over social media. On Twitter, I am at Robert Liefeld. Got the whole word R-O-B-E-R-T. L i e f e l d my full name at Robert Liefeld I have a blue check that tells you that it's really me who is talking to you yes I will make a proclamation that anyone else would make that no one would get upset over but because it's me people get crazy oh my gosh how dare he say that Mission Impossible Seven will be the biggest movie of 2023 I said it and then it ignites a crazy firestorm because that that's what happens on social media but you can find me there that's the kind of stuff mildly mildly that I express that somehow turns out to be controversial. You can find me on Twitter at Robert Liefeld on Instagram. A much more peaceful existence at Rob Liefeld. Another blue check in It's really me. Yes, uh, I read your mentions, your DMs, your comments. Thank you so much for interacting with me so generously, so so kindly on both Instagram and Twitter. Find me both there at Rob Liefeld on Instagram at Robert Liefeld on Twitter. I have joined the most incredible collectible uh, app called Whatnot. You should download it you should join it uh, if you want, you know, the coolest in kicks. Uh, they sell sneakers if you want collectible card games, trading cards, sports cards, memorabilia. I'm in the comic book and the toy category regularly. I am Rob Liefeld. I do live streams twice a week. It, it's generally Wednesday and Saturday, although we could shift to Monday sometimes, but generally it's one Wednesday and Saturday right now. I'm going to have a show uh, this coming Saturday. Check it out. Check me out. I have... Uh, sketch art, uh, remarks on comics, uh, signed comics, exclusives. I'll be debuting a number of new exclusives uh, this Saturday on my upcoming Brigade and Airborne comic book. Uh, we've got uh, uh, variants. I I, I I do Funko Pops. I draw on them. I remark them. I illustrate on them. I, we have such a great time. People say it's a natural extension of this podcast. I'm, I'm uh, quite a bit more, uh, I would say, uh, less filtered and unhinged Because it is live and I'm talking straight into the screen to you. But Whatnot is the app. It is blowing up. It is like this generation's version of eBay. Except it's all done via live stream. You can live stream with me. Join me on Whatnot. Give me a follow. Rob Liefeld. I'm there. I hope to see you there. We have a Facebook page. Observations with Rob Liefeld is a dedicated Facebook page on Facebook. Like it. uh, Give it a follow. I will find you. We will comment back and forth. Even bigger than that, I have Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group, my Facebook group. Either myself or a gentleman named Terry Terry Sala, another the other, the only other administrator moderator on the page, will click you through if you submit for a membership. We're growing leaps and bounds. We discuss all things comics, all things uh, over the course of my career, all the different companies I've worked for, all the different uh, characters I've I've interacted with, produced, created, drawn. Uh, just check me out. Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group is our group where we all gather and talk 24 7, not not just uh, twice a week like we do on this podcast. So check out Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group on Facebook. <laughs> on Facebook. <laughs> oh boy. Rob Liefeld and Extreme Group on Facebook. We'll look forward to seeing you there. Uh, you know, at the end of every episode, I mention your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual selves your beings, you got to feed every aspect. This has been such a trying couple of years. It all—it feels like sometimes we're coming out of it and then things just pull us back in. But you know, at the end of the day, you can escape. And by escape, you can fill your spirit, your mind, your soul, your body with great entertainment, whether it's a book, a comic book, uh, a great streaming show. If you don't kid you, I mean, kid you not, I will watch House of Dragon. I will watch Rings of Power. I will cheer at Cobra Kai like I did last weekend and scream and, and, and jump. And when, when Johnny, you know, kicks... Kicks out the kicks the senseis around uh, Silver's house. I mean, come on, this is exciting times, and I will probably do it with a big bowl of gelato or churro. Yes, they have churro ice cream where I live. This 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 local ice cream parlor. Wow, custom makes these incredible flavors. Tonight I'll probably have a burger or a pizza or a taco or an enchilada or some nachos because that's the way I roll. And you should have cheat days where you eat fun foods, cupcakes, ice cream, candy bars. Um, uh, chips. My kids say, Dad, that's every day for you. Stop. Don't mention that. Um, I, my my health, healthy eating habits are not what I am suggesting, but there's a time and a place to just go and have your senses blown, whether it's by the content that you are. Um, oh, I hate that word. I shouldn't have used content. Whether it's by the killer stories, filmmaking, illustrations, comic books that, 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 that have been produced for you, or with some killer sugary sweetness, and greasy food because it all tastes good and we got we to gotta get those senses activated and rewarded so that we can we have motivation to do the stuff that we have to do. So basically, have fun, take care of yourself, get back on the recliner, in the bean bag, in the leather sofa chair, and kick back. Take time for yourself. That's the message, okay? You guys, please swing back around. I'll be here waiting for you. I, I am so excited to visit with you once again because we will talk again real soon.